0: You are listening to the Marnie on the Move podcast flashback series, where we will be bringing you some of our favorite, most popular episodes from the archives. It's a blast from the past. Today on the show, we have Des Linden. Des is in town this weekend for the Boston Marathon, and she's also the new chief running officer at Brooks. So we thought, why not? Do a shout out to Des Linden and replay our conversation from way back when. Here we go. Let's do it.
1: Figure out how to make running sustainable, you know, and I think sometimes we get really excited and enthusiasm's high, but it's like it's not a sustainable level, And so then you start to see the peaks and the valleys in in motivation and so on and so forth. Or, you know, you're going to have your best running when you're healthy and injury-free, so don't overdo stuff, don't underdo stuff. It's like, what's the sustainable um, amount I can do? And if if it's fun, it's interesting, and you can keep doing it every single day um, or contributing to it every single day in some way, uh, you'll have a long time running.
0: That was Des Linden. This is Marnie Salah. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training and showcase their expertise and story. Hello, Marnie on the Move listeners. Welcome and welcome back. I'm your host, Marnie Salah. Today's guest is a super fast and talented Olympic runner, 2018 Boston Marathon champion, and as of April 2021, the 50K world record holder, Des Linden. But before we dive into our conversation, big news. Marnie on the Move is going live, as in IG live. We will be bringing on four of our favorite guests. Corinne Fitzgerald, elite runner and coach on May 20th at 9 PM EST. Dr. Daryl Joffrey, founder of Alchemind, best selling author of Get Off Your Acid and Get Off Your Sugar on May 27th at 9 p.m. EST. And Betty Designs founder, Kristen Mayer, on June 3rd at 9 p.m. EST. And last up, Inside Tracker lead nutrition scientist, Ashley Reaver, on June 10th. 9 p.m. EST. Head over to the Marnie on the Move Instagram for more details. But rest assured, we will be talking about all things exercise, health, wellness, and fashion. Shout out to my sponsors, Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is the ultra personalized nutrition platform that analyzes your blood, DNA, and lifestyle to help you optimize your body from the inside out. They are my go to for understanding my inner health, looking at my blood levels, and getting great nutritional insight. Inside Tracker transforms your body's data into meaningful insights and a customized action plan of the science backed recommendations you need to reach your goals. Take control of your health and wellness. Use our code for 20% off. Thank you, M O T M. And of course, there's a link in the show notes. Exciting news! Garmin fitness trackers are now compatible with Inside Tracker. You can add your data from your Garmin to your blood and DNA data, and get even more health analytics and insights than ever before, making Inside Tracker even more personalized. Check it out at InsideTracker.com/Garmin. Now on to our conversation with Des Linden. On this episode of Marnie on the Move, Dez and I sync up about her training, motivation, and incredible career. She chats with me about her inspiration for running a 50K and how COVID led her to pivot her training towards longer distances. As two coffee lovers, we also talk about Dez's coffee company, Linden by Two, and her rituals around creating the perfect brew. Des also gives me some insight into where she hopes to take her career in the future and what she's most looking forward to about taking the starting line again at this year's Boston Marathon in October. Des ends our conversation by giving me some great book recommendations. I really enjoyed this conversation with Des, and I hope it will leave you feeling inspired, motivated, and craving a cup of good coffee and a fun run. If you like what you hear, leave us a review on Apple. It's easy. Head over to your app, click on the Money on the Move podcast, scroll through the episodes, click on the five stars, and click on Leave a Review. Tell us what you love about the podcast. And don't forget to tell your friends what you're listening to. Share the podcast on your social channels. Last up, sign up for our newsletter, The Download. It's in our Link in the profile on Instagram, on our website, MarniOnTheMove.com. Now, on to my conversation with Dez. So it's so great, Dez, to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for taking the time to hop on. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. You are hot off the heels of setting a world record in ultramarathon with a 2.59.54 time for a 50K. And this was your first 50K what motivated you to make the leap into this distance from your normal go-to marathon distance and go for the world record?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the big thing right now in the middle of this, or hopefully at the tail end of this pandemic is like just keeping ourselves busy, not feeling like we're stagnating, not feeling like we're wasting time per se, or at least that's what it's been for me at this point. And so, in the middle of it, uh, my agent and I were kind of kicking around ideas and what would be interesting. Um, in the ultra marathon world this is something I've been fascinated by and always looked forward to getting there at one point. I just didn't know it would be this soon, but the calendar was empty and the spring, you know, m- major road races and marathons were pushed to the fall. So we had a really big open space and, um, it was a good chance to try something new and, and the mark was there the world record mark was you know enticing it was something I thought was doable it was a nice to get your feet wet in the distance and in the ultramarathon world but not go crazy like I didn't think I would sink out there but I thought it would be a new challenge so it all worked out well.
0: That's pretty cool I mean I loved when I read that you were doing that because I just felt like it was so hard for athletes and professional athletes to kind of pivot and I think you were really quick to kind of say, all right, like, I'm just going to do this, you know, as opposed to a lot of people. I mean, and I'm sure you were still upset about COVID, but I mean, in in retrospect, I think it was like an opportunity to do something different. So that's kind of cool. You've been running forever since you're a kid. Were there any other sports that you tried during this time when you weren't really like competing?
1: I tried professional couch sitting. Yes. I'm a world's, world's best yeah. there. <laughs> I watched a lot of Netflix marathons. Yeah. Um, No, I, I mean, I think honestly, it's doing stuff that I don't typically get to do when I'm building up for a marathon or a track season or something like that. And that's like staying up a little bit later. So yeah. it was more of, like just enjoying fun stuff that maybe the lifestyle of running doesn't let you do too often. So last year, I was able to get out in my husband's ski boat a little bit more and do some, you know, water skiing and we do some surfing and things like that. But I would probably be too afraid in a normal year to be like, well, I've got Boston coming up or I have, you know, fall marathon coming up. So I, I think there's always opportunity in tough situations and you just have to find it. So this whole time has been really fun, which is a, almost a sad thing to say, but I'm like, I maximized it. Like I had a great time during this weird year. Yeah.
0: I mean, spoken like a true athlete, right? Like like if there's a will, there's a, a way. What was the biggest difference in training for this particular distance as opposed to a marathon from movement to motivation and then mindset?
1: I mean, physically and like the body of work, the training required was really similar. So you're, you know, I mean, you're going from 42K to 50K. It's, it's not too much further. So it was very similar. I think my coach used it as an opportunity to try different things in my training, and almost like does, can you go longer than this if you wanted to? Like, you know, here's some workouts that will really test you and things we wouldn't typically do in a marathon training, like a, a regular segment. So that was kind of fun, and he tweaked it a little bit with long runs being a little bit longer and larger sessions within the long run. So that was that was new, and I think. One of the most exciting things about this was our conversation afterwards where he's like, I've, I've picked up a lot of different things that we can really use your, in your marathon training going forward. So I feel like he was testing the waters with that, but mileage and like long run thresholds, a couple of speed work things, all of that looked really similar to a marathon segment that I would typically go through. I think the mindset of it was like so fun and interesting. And that part was very fresh because I was like afraid of that last bit of distance and I've been doing marathons for so long they start to feel like routine and like you know when you do your first one you're like I I don't know if I can cover the distance I've only done a long run of 20 miles what's that going to be like um and I've gotten like comfortable with the distance and I was very uncomfortable with this because it was so foreign so that that was really fun.
0: And I think mentally, it sounds like you were able to like relax a little bit, but you were also seriously competing, but it was like a different kind of competition.
1: Yeah, I know I, that's totally fair. And I think uh, typically I'm in like a Boston or in New York where you're just like seeing how high you can place. The times yeah. don't really mean too much there because the courses are so challenging. And this was all about like, can you beat this time? from the world record. And, you know, that's the goal. And the only thing you're doing is try to run
0: faster than that. And
1: that was just a different mindset and thing to try to chase. So it's been a long time since I really raced the clock.
0: So would you do it again? Like, would you go back and (laughs) meet your 50k time or take it even further?
1: I think, yeah, I, I loved it. I actually really enjoyed the event. And I don't think hopefully there'll be enough excitement around the 50k that more people will start to do it and this record won't last that long and so a little part of me is like oh i would would like to just do it again now that i know some stuff i'm not necessarily afraid of the distance and like tweak some things and that's like automatically what we do as competitors right you go home you're like i could have found some seconds here i could have gotten better there yeah you Um, like so it's totally intriguing still and and i do i You know, I could see some spots where I could shave some time off still. So it'd be kind of fun to do.
0: Was there any point during your run and doing this competition that you suddenly clicked in? Like when I'm doing a run or a long distance race, I suddenly feel like I'm like home, like home for like I've made it. You know, like there's like that moment where like in the beginning, you're super excited and you're like, I could do this. And then there's a certain point where you're like, shit, what did I sign up for? (laughs) I'm never going to do this. And then you're like, okay, I've got it. Was there, where did that happen for you in this distance as opposed to like your normal marathon distance?
1: Yeah, that's an intriguing question. And I know like you're describing all these different parts of the race and I'm like, yeah, like I remember that here. I I felt like really locked in in the middle of it and like, Oh, this is going by super fast. I feel like I'm going to have a great shot at the record. Like that feels like it's pretty secure and things go completely sideways you know when i crossed through the marathon i was like the record seems really safe and but the other thing was the three hour mark so it was like okay record record i feel very secure about like can i do this next thing um and that i was wrestling with all the way until like 200 meters to go and i you know i wasn't looking at my watch it was just like run as hard as you can to the finish line. And I just snuck under that three. So that one, I never was like, oh, I got it in the bag. It was like, I'm holding on, I'm fighting, maybe, maybe not. And that was kind of fun to um, have that challenge all the way through to the finish.
0: That's cool. That's very exciting feeling. It's like so new and fresh. You've been running a long time and this is your career and your top athlete. Like how did you get into running and what is it that you love so much about it?
1: Yeah, I started super young. I was a soccer player. And of course, like Everyone else is, you got to stay in shape for soccer. So I started running. And I was also, I'm also very small. So as kids started getting larger and I stayed the same size. Right. I'm five uh, one. running. <laughs> yeah. So you get it. You're like yeah. running to the ball faster and then getting it off your foot as quick as possible. Like, That's how small people play soccer. It's like survival tactics. So I was really fit and was able to run fast. And I was like, actually, if I think about this, maybe I should just be a track runner instead of a soccer player. So that was, I mean, I think I fully committed to running. Actually, when I was in college, it was the first time I just was a full-time runner. So I played soccer all the way through high school. But yeah, I always enjoyed it. And I think that you have the fitness from other sports and the athleticism from other sports. And it makes you feel like a natural in running, even though maybe you're not, you're just like have done more work. Yeah. So that was kind of my setup where I was like, oh, I'm pretty good at this. It was like, I just had fitness from everything else. So, Um, but it was nice to be rewarded.
0: Was there something else that you were like thinking you might do in your career or in your life at that time where you were like running for fun and then you just made that leap?
1: I mean, I always was doing other sports when I was in high school or when I was really young, I was like, I want to be a professional soccer player. In college, I didn't foresee myself as a professional runner ever. So it was like, what do I want to do with my life? And no one knows in college. So you're just like trying all the different studies. And I finished college with a degree in psychology and religious studies two separate degrees which are both completely useless and I was like I (laughs) want to be a professional runner uh so that's kind of how it went and then I had to like run for my life literally like I want to keep doing this so I better make some money yeah um and now I'm in a position where I'm just afraid that I'm gonna have to enter real life and I'm you know in my late 30s and like oh no I I have to be really good at this for as long as possible
0: well I think you you're on a good you're on a good track I mean you're training for Boston in October which is like a benchmark for the race it's the 125th year of this race and you won in 2018 so how are you feeling about that well I love going to Boston and
1: having it in October is really I'm excited about it because it's you know it's first of all it's like a once in a lifetime thing I hope knock on wood that they never have to do this again yeah and there's only one fall edition of this and so to get to be a part of that is really cool and training at home like I love I love being at home. I'm a total homebody. So, yeah. getting to train for Boston without Michigan winter and all the things that come with that in terms of temperature and ice and snow, I think is going to be really great because our, our roads are perfect for it. And it's just a strange coincidence of things that have allowed me to do this. So, I'm probably more excited than ever before to get out there and race.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. And so, now your home, your training, your like mileage is like the same, right? That you were training for the 50K?
1: Easing back into it, just
0: getting my legs back under me. And, you know, I think
1: when I talk about sustainable, I, I had to take a, take a break after that. And after the 50K, it took two weeks. And just building back up and looking towards a long build to the fall. So just trying to slowly get back into things and then do the big work um, in a couple months.
0: And what's your, like, max week look like, like, for mileage? Or is that, like, a race secret?
1: <laughs> no, no. I, I would do, in, in a marathon build, 120 to 125. 120 to 130 for miles per week. And that's like the peak.
0: What was it for the ultra?
1: I was probably closer to 115, which people go, oh, that's kind of strange. But the long run was a bigger like block. So it was, you know, maybe a 24 mile or 26 miler, which I wouldn't typically do. And so I wanted to make sure it was really recovered from that. And I thought that was really beneficial. So
0: makes sense. Back to entrepreneurship for a second. I totally missed a beat. You and your husband also have a coffee company, Linden by Two. Tell me more about this.
1: Yeah, we do. My husband and I have a coffee company, which we kind of soft launched right before Boston 2018. And it was like, well, I'll just test this out and see. He was in Boston kind of giving out samples and the whole thing. And then he had this hat on that had the coffee company at the time, the name on it. And he's standing at the finish and the cameras are on him and everyone's like, what is this coffee thing? So then the whole thing kind of got put on warp speed. And we have a coffee company, Linden by two, and uh, we roast in Charlevoix. And everything I say we about is mostly just Ryan. And I just sample the coffee and give it a stamp of approval and say, this is really good stuff. You should send it to the people. They'll love it.
0: What kind of coffee? Is it like all different kinds of beans? Where do you get them from? I love coffee.
1: (laughs) Yeah, all different types. Yeah, we're uh, mostly single origin and we don't have any blends at all, actually. And so we get stuff from pretty much everywhere, but in small, like smaller batches. Um, and we're just constantly rotating, which is really fun to just sort of play with the profile and taste it and see what you like and see what, you know, is, is interesting. But it's all pretty light roast. We feel like when roasted well at a light roast profile, you really can taste the Intricacies and the complexity of the coffee, yeah. And you start, you get flavors, and like you don't have to add the milk and the sugar, and it becomes like a thing that you can really appreciate, like a bourbon or like a wine. Right. Um, And then there's black coffee, and you also like whiskey, (laughs) right? Speaking of bourbon, yeah. 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 I think I have. I just like beverages. (laughs) Yeah.
0: I was really into coffee for a while, and I actually had a house on the North Fork of Long Island, and there was this. Coffee place called Aldo's, and he would bring in beans from like all around the world. And then somehow I went off track and started drinking Starbucks (laughs) and also (laughs) like put creamer in my coffee, and it's so bad. And now I'm addicted and I have to get off and remember why I loved coffee. I have to go back to my coffee roots.
1: There's a level of consistency to it, though, like yeah. when you go to Starbucks, you know, like exactly what you're getting. And then you go, I know I need this much creamer, this much sugar, this is my cup, and it's never going to be different. Yeah, so just that.
0: well, I'm still making it myself. There's a whole process, yeah. right? Like, do you have a ritual around your coffee? Like, are you doing a French press or drip coffee? Like, what's your process?
1: Uh, oh, I'm a V60 pour over. So like the um, ceramic filter thing. And then, you know, the slowly like the it's like the five minute process and you did the ratio of water to grams of coffee and it's super snotty and like probably overthought. We have the kettle that keeps it at like 199 degree water because, you know, 201 would be way too much.
0: Yes. Um, no, but, I mean, it's yeah. real. It's a real <laughs> thing for people who love coffee and also for tea. I mean, everything from like the water to the beans to the process, it's a lot like running, right? It's like a ritual you have around your process, but back to running. Absolutely. <laughs> Do you, I am really genuinely curious about your ritual around prepping for your races and like what you're eating that morning and your nutrition, like that week of the race and kind of how you prepare.
1: Yeah. I I wish I were more calculated in terms of leading up to and like week of, I think that's an area I could be better, but I'm also very aware that when we start getting too detailed in our routine, sometimes a little thing that misses a beat, you feel like it just gets in your head. So uh, I, I don't have a super, super heavy structure, but in terms of, day before stuff or a couple days out, you just, it's really basic of like, I'm going to dial back the fiber and amp up the carbs and things like that. Yeah. You know, it's Josh, my agent, and I used to give a lot of chats for power bar on like a nutrition seminar. And we would say, you know, food for function, not for fun in leading into a race. And it's like, yeah, your plate might look really boring, but like the white rice or the pasta, like they all add, something to the system and there's a function there so that's kind of how I look at it and it's all dialed in in training so like night before bowl of white rice maybe some pasta uh, maybe a little bit of protein with like a chicken or something like that morning of toast with some peanut butter or you know some more white rice on the side Uh, sounds really weird you're like the person going to the start with a bowl of white rice
0: (laughs) so everyone's different when it comes to fueling and nutrition so
1: that's it. And it's all about train like training your gut and figuring it out in practice. So yeah. it's like what works for you is what you've practiced with and sits well in your belly before you run.
0: Yeah. No, because, I mean, you're running so fast. And even though, you know, some people are running for a long time or, you know, you're running really fast, but it's a very short time. So, you know, your GI system is going to get messed up. So you've got to have it nailed down before you're out there. But you do have to be flexible, I agree, in terms of, like, yeah. what you're eating. And then do you have any – mantras or like you know mental go-tos that when you're facing adversity like the day that you won the Boston Marathon and it was raining and horrific weather and you were just like you stopped to help Chalene and I watched the race it was incredible and awesome. What was going through your mind in those conditions and in general? Yeah
1: so I'm a big fan of writing a race plan before like literally the night before and Uh, I use paper, pen, like actually write it out, like, this is how I want to get out, this is the pace I want to be running, you know, these are the things I need to be working on, and it's totally like, what's my plan, and it's not about anybody else around me, and so I think that that's super helpful, so when we get to those tough times in the race, it's not like, oh shoot, I have so far to go, or I don't feel very good, like you start to have those little workings. conversations with yourself or like, I could back off for a while, then pick it up again. But if you have that race plan, it's like, what's the next thing I need to do? Or what should I be focusing on right now? So that keeps me kind of present in terms of tasks during the race. And I think that that, while it wasn't in the plan necessarily in Boston, having that task of like, oh, I can help Shalane here just kept me present versus being like, oh man, it's really miserable, which it was, but I wasn't thinking about that because I was trying to do a task. And then late on, it's, I, I think a mantra that I kind of go to all the time is, uh, calm, 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 relax, 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 which is a really cheesy, silly mantra. But usually when we're tightening up and tense late in the race, it's like your shoulders go up in your ears, your arms are up high and you're just like gritting and trying to force it. Right. We all have those horrible race day pictures where you're like, oh yeah, I was working really hard. Um, <laughs> yeah. And what we need to do is relax. And so I, when I say that, I kind of work through like head to toe, like, okay, are my cheeks relaxed? Okay, let's start there. Are my shoulders relaxed? Let's go there. And I just work through the body so that I'm not tense and forcing, but I'm smooth and relaxed.
0: Yeah. So what are you looking forward to now for Boston this year?
1: I'm excited just to race again in front of people and with, uh, you know, a course that's full of other runners and, and that we're sharing that community. Competing, competing is going to be yeah. great. For it brings sugar, a whole different so. energy
0: to your run, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I, that's what's been strange about this year is like, you can do these time trials, but there's no one watching. They're on untraditional courses and they're all about time. It's like, you know, it's you no know, prestige to the uh, time trial 20K or whatever it is. Yeah. is yeah. It's a hard thing to get amped for.
0: Yeah, I mean, it is. I think it's hard. I think it's, you know, I haven't done any virtual races or joined in any Strava competitions or even like I haven't done any I've just done my own thing like which is not always good because I feel like it took me like an entire year to like set a goal to do a half marathon and then to actually do it but I I think I finally just did a half marathon like a couple weeks ago what did you think did you Did you enjoy the experience or was it? I mean, it was fine. You know, I think like mile nine. So I'm in New York City and I'm on the West Side Highway and it's like super flat and I don't really always go up to the park because by the time I get there, I don't know, I have all kinds of mental excuses, but basically, (laughs) and I know it. So I went out on the West Side Highway. I ran up to the South Street Seaport and up to the track by like the Brooklyn Bridge and then because I live in Battery Park and then mile nine. I was running back through my neighborhood and I was like, why am I doing this? Like, <laughs> this is like, I'm not even like doing a New York Roadrunners virtual race. Like I was just on my own. I said, I'm going to do a half marathon and I'm just going to do it. <laughs> I made myself do it. I was like, you got to do it. Like you said, you're going to do it. Just do it. I didn't love it. You know, I did it. I love running. I had a great playlist. I'm ready to there race again in person. There's something right about just having that commitment and there's all these other people showing up and then. The group. I even tried to do some of your Destober stuff, and I was like, I dropped off. Like, I just I was rooting for <laughs> there was a lot. Yeah, it was great. Like, I think those things are great. Even with Ironman, I'm signed up for a triathlon, a seventy point three this summer in the Finger Lakes, and I finally I was like, look, if it doesn't happen, I'm just gonna go to the Hamptons and do an Iron- a half Ironman. Like, it's fine. I got it now. The half marathon got me in the zone. But I think it was it was challenging. Yeah. It was challenging for me. It was challenging for a lot of people, I'm sure.
1: It is. And I think it's like, it's a good learning experience yeah. where you go like, why? Like that moment where you go, why am I doing this? But then you finish anyways. Yeah. Like that's pretty, pretty cool. But also at the end of it, you're like, this is all just like a necessary evil. And hopefully we never have to do this again. So I think that's kind of.
0: Yeah. And it made me really think about like, what was my why? And it was really, like, for me, mm-hmm. I think it was my commitment to myself, really. a commitment yeah. to say, like, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm excited to get back yeah. out. And I just confirmed my my run in rock and roll in Washington in D.C. in November. So I'm going to do that half marathon. I like the half marathon distance right now.
1: It's a, it's a good sweet spot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: I feel like I could get a little faster and work on that. I, right before COVID, I did the New York City Marathon. It killed me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's it's so tough it's so hard it was so hard um, that course yeah. is just brutal
0: yeah but it's great to see the city through running what are some of your long-term goals beyond the Boston Marathon
1: oh that's a good question I feel like I've accomplished so much that I've wanted to in running and so it's hard to keep setting things to chase down you know I think I want to be able to have fun with this for a really long time and be a, a lifelong runner, which sounds like a silly kind of long-term goal, but I think competing is one thing. And I really love racing and trying to be the best version of me. I want to get to a point where that, you know, when that ha- like goes away, that I just actually love the activity of running, whatever that pace is and whatever those new goals look like, but to just still have that some pieces of the lifestyle in my life, and to be a lifelong runner, so that's like a very broad goal. But I do think there's a transition from, like, sport to activity, and I want to be able to have both of those as parts of my life. And they'll be different parts, but yeah. uh, I think they'll both be very valuable.
0: So, would you do another ultra? Are you thinking like Barkley marathons? <laughs> like, what are we talking about here? <laughs> are you going into? The I don't, yeah, I don't know about. I don't know about that one. That
1: seems <laughs> insane. But I would love to do UTMB. That looks really cool. I don't know in terms of ultra where we'll go next. I think I do want to do two oceans at some point And I find comrades really intriguing as well. And then we'll see if and when I get off the roads and hit the trails and how my body likes that or does not like that. Did
0: your body like being on the trails? I mean, I don't really do, like, I don't have access to trails in New York City. And so I feel like concrete and cobblestone are my trails. But- yeah. I mean, did you like running on the trails? Was that just—it's a totally different feel, right? It is. I don't think I'll be
1: very good at it. I, we did a lot in Tempe, Phoenix, in yeah. um, in college. Like we'd do our long runs at South Mountain, and it was just rugged desert trails. And I would spend most of the time just like being like, "Oh, I'm gonna fall. I'm gonna roll my ankle." Yeah. Uh, but I never did. So maybe, maybe there's a chance. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's my biggest fear—is like rolling my ankle and ticks. Those are my two.
1: Ticks are very specific, like gross. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. can appreciate that. Totally.
0: So when you're not running or brewing coffee, I know you love reading. So what are some great books that you've been reading last few months? And what are you looking forward to reading?
1: That's always the question where someone asks it and you're like, I don't even know if I remember how to read right now. Like <laughs> everything falls out of your head. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know.
0: Uh, but actually,
1: ironically, I was your bookshelves behind you and I was yeah, like, oh, no. is that autobiography? Autobiography of a Yogi, I've read that. Um, oh my I'm God, that's the craziest book. I love it. it. It's pretty crazy. But, oh, and that's like Inside of a Dog, I think is up there. <laughs> yes, I've read an Autobiography of a Yogi. You did.
0: Oh, okay, cool. It's a long time ago. Did you read it like as part of your teacher training or something? Like, are you a secret yoga teacher?
1: <laughs> I am not. But I, I did, I was uh, in religious studies. So I feel like there was some reason I was reading it for something Yeah. That. What but, kind of religious studies were you doing? General, broad. So it's Interesting place to learn. I think probably more than anything, it was like focused on writing, so hopefully it helped it some some degree. Yeah, I've been reading. I just finished Hollywood Park, that I thought was really good, and it was about a musician who he actually grew up in a cult. In um, it's just crazy family story, but he was a runner as well, and he ran at Stanford and was quite good. And so there was some really great passages on him uh, running and his description, and it was I thought it was. It combined a lot of things that I really like, which was ironically like religion, psychology, running, music. Like it's all kind of in there. It was done very well. Very yeah. cool. So that was good. I would recommend that.
0: Hollywood yeah. Park. Yeah, I'll have to add that one to my reading list. The Wim Hof method is on my reading list so far for this summer. Have you heard of it? Yeah, and
1: the whole like ice submersion thing is insane to me. So I have yeah. to read that.
0: The closest I've gotten is like an ice bath after a run for five minutes. <laughs>
1: Yeah, right. Like that'll do. That's good. (laughs) Yeah, but
0: he's got like a whole like mental thing going on. Did you read any good books besides Hollywood Park during COVID?
1: I got a bunch of Mary Carr's books lit. I still need to read, but uh, Liar's Club was great. Really well done. Insane story. It's sometimes you read memoir and you're like, these real people, like where do you find these people and how are their story? Like, how did they live through this? Yeah, memoir when it's done right is really pretty incredible. So. Um, educated was very good too I like that one a
0: lot okay cool I like these book suggestions do you have any great advice for runners looking to take their training to the next level I would say figure out how
1: to make running sustainable
0: you know and I think sometimes we get really
1: excited and enthusiasm's high but it's like it's not a sustainable level And so then you start to see the peaks and the valleys in in motivation and so on and so forth. Or, you know, you're going to have your best running when you're healthy and injury free. So don't overdo stuff. Don't underdo stuff. It's like, what's the sustainable amount I can do? And if if it's fun, it's interesting, and you can keep doing it every single day um, or contributing to it every single day in some way, uh, you'll have a long time running.
0: And that's great. That's awesome. That's great advice. Thank you so much. This has been great. It's so nice to meet you on the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram and Marnie Salop on Twitter. Head over to our website, Marnieonthemove.com. For more info on this episode, links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download, to get updates, deals, giveaways, and information on future events for 2019. I want to hear from you. Email me, marnieonthemove one at gmail.com. And let me know what you're enjoying, what you want to hear more of. If you have questions for our guests, just reach out.